Hello, fellow copywriting and business writing professionals. I'm Steve Slon White, owner of the Copywriting Training Center, which you can find at www.copywritingtrainingcenter.com. And welcome to the first edition of this 10 Minutes With series. This is a series of interviews with top experts in the copywriting profession. All these interviews are short, practical, and instructional, so you can listen to them quickly and apply the tips and strategies right away. So let's get started with this month's edition. 10 Minutes with Gordon Graham, that white paper guy. Now, Gordon has a well-deserved reputation as the leading authority in planning, researching, and writing terrific white papers. If you have any interest in this topic at all, as, as a writer, a, a marketer, a communicator, an entrepreneur, then you're going to want to soak up Gordon's expertise. So let's listen to what Gordon has to teach us during this month's edition of 10 Minutes With. Gordon Graham, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure to be here. Great. Now let's talk about white papers and white paper marketing. Now, it seems like um, every marketer has their own idea of what a, what a white paper is. If you had them all in, t- in a room and you asked them the definition of a white paper, you'd probably get many different answers. But what is your answer? What is the definition of a white paper? I consider a white paper a persuasive essay that uses facts and logic to promote some kind of uh, offering, a product, a service, or a solution to a problem. So it's a persuasive essay that uses facts and logic. And what, what is the typical format for a white paper? I mean, how many pages? What does it look like? A lot of people are saying that white papers are getting shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my experience, for a significant B2B purchase, buyers want to get a certain substantial amount of information. So it's hard to give much value in a white paper for less than five pages. The ones I do are all typically six to eight pages. And you'll certainly hear people saying, oh, why can't we do a two or three page white paper? Is a two page or a white paper? I'm kind of old school about that. I, I say a real, a real substantial white paper has to be at least five pages. Okay. Now, you mentioned the buyer. Uh, from the buyer's perspective, uh, how are white papers, how, how do they use white papers to make buying decisions? How important is a white paper to a buyer, a business buyer? Well, I've just got another uh, survey yesterday, actually, and it confirms what's come up in survey after survey after survey. This, this one, one is from Ecolo. They've been doing um, these uh, studies for, I think, six years, and this one they interviewed 500 B2B buyers, and uh, uh, here's what they concluded. Year after year, our survey respondents say white papers are the most consumed and most influential asset when making a technology purchase. So um, this is what I've seen in survey after survey for the past uh, over 10 years. And Buyers like white papers because they provide, ideally, they provide useful information that help a buyer understand some issue, uh, solve a problem, or make a decision. And uh, chief uh, high-level executives in uh, companies are constantly facing problems and constantly having to make decisions and constantly having to uh, figure out where to invest their resources. So having a having a an effective white paper that really sketches out uh, the landscape for a certain type of uh, of issue. 
that uh, positions different products uh, within that landscape that isn't uh, full of a full of a sales pitch, but actually provides uh, useful information. That can really help a buyer get a handle on uh, on uh, a big decision that they have to make. And you make a very important point there, Gordon. Is that uh, a white paper is um, unbiased, as unbiased as you can be, and still be a marketing piece, <laughs> um, and has well researched information. Now, um, what are the uh, what are the basic ingredients of a of a effective white paper of a great white paper? Well, let's just carry on from what we were just talking about. Uh, first and foremost, uh, useful information, well researched information. It, mm-hmm. It's the opposite of a sales pitch. So you may you may have the best uh, solution out there for some kind of problem, but. You've got to realize that you're, you're, as a marketer, you're speaking to an increasingly skeptical audience. So you've got to prove it. They're going to be asking in the back of their minds, "Says who? So what? Prove it. Show me the, show me the money." You know, and your white paper has got to be researched enough so that it's it's filled with uh, facts and uh, quotations and statistics and uh, surveys and analysts' opinions. From really good sources, uh, I've had people ask me, uh, you know, is it okay to quote our own blog in a white paper? And I say, man, quoting your own blog in your own white paper, what is your blog going to say? It's going to say you're the best. Of course, everybody <laughs> knows that. So, so find a third party, find an analyst, find a journalist who says you're the best. It's far more powerful. So, you know, good research and, uh, and uh, third party verification of all of your assumptions is, is very important. And then then I would say um, attractive presentation. So uh, white papers these days generally have a visual cover and they have nice typography and they have, ideally I like to see at least one uh, nice substantial graphic that kind of sums up the whole idea, maybe two graphics, a before and an after kind of, uh, kind of approach is good. Um, tables and uh, subheads and... Uh, charts and graphs, anything to break them up and not make them not like a, a wall of text because you may have the best content out there, but if it looks really hard to read and really unapproachable and inaccessible in its, in its design, then um, that's going to turn off a lot of busy uh, business readers. So I guess to sum up, that's, that's effective research, uh, attractive design, and then just the flow through the, the, flow through the argument. Um, it's really good to tell people what you're going to tell them in an introduction or an executive uh, summary, then tell them in the main body, and then tell them what you told them in a in a summary, in a conclusion. Because a lot of people um, don't read white papers. They don't read business documents the way the way they might read, say, a novel. They'll they'll glance at the front, flip back to the back, you know, scan through it. Generally, people take a few seconds to just size up a document. And then they might go back and read the beginning and flip to the end and, th- and spend another minute. Then they may decide, oh, hey, this thing is worth me spending 15 minutes of my valuable time to read. So you can't just assume that people are going to – that the mere fact that you put out a white paper uh, means that people are going to read it. You have to kind of coax them into reading it as well. And visuals help with that, obviously. Uh, do you find that's a growing trend, the using more visuals and infographics in, in white papers? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Uh, I, I don't like to – work on a white paper unless it's got at least one one good um, I call it concept graphic that kind of sums up the point and and anybody 
you know, we're, we're visual animals. We evolved uh, uh, as hunters and, and gatherers where we used our eyes, and there's a huge portion of our brain that's devoted to visual processing, you know, bo both for, for men and for women. And so um, to think that you can just put out straight text and no, no graphics is not very realistic. So uh, I try to put one visual breaker on every page and one nice big graphic, a full-page graphic, uh, near the front of a white paper, and as well as a visual cover. Okay, great. Um, let's talk about how companies use white papers and the best ways to use. I guess the classic example is in lead generation. You know, people are used to seeing um, white papers offered in, in online ads and in emails and on websites. But what are some of the other ways that companies can be using white papers to help uh, sell their products and services? Well, I guess if you look at the classic sales funnel, um, it's true that most white papers uh, tend to be clustered near the top of the funnel and they, uh, they're used to generate leads and to get the word out about a company that their prospects may never have heard of or a product that their prospects have never heard of. And, and I can give, a, give you a tip, um, which is to, if you're trying to generate leads, don't put the name of your product in the title of your white paper unless you're somebody like Microsoft with Windows 8, you know, unless you're doing a ubiquitous product like that that everybody's got to know about. Um, don't lead with your product name and your title. And that's because people search. Your, your prospects are going to be searching for their problem and their questions and their issues and their, their concerns. They're not going to be searching for, uh, for the name of your product. And if, they're, if they are, then they already know about you. So you're not going to, you can't consider that you're generating a lead. They already know about you. Um, so really to cast a, as wide a net as possible um, at the top of the funnel is, uh, is a great way to use white papers. But, but they can also be used at, um, at the bottom of the funnel, a more technical uh, white paper that supports a product-by-product uh, um, product evaluation. Generally, a, a, a B2B uh, buying committee will come up with a short list of uh, two or three competing uh, solutions that they want to check out. And so somebody is going to have the job of comparing them and, and uh, saying, well, this one is stronger in this, this one is stronger in that. And that's what a, a good product-oriented white paper can really help near the bottom of the funnel. In the middle of the funnel, a, um, a simple numbered list is great for nurturing uh, uh, prospects and keeping them interested and uh, giving, them, giving you another, uh, another touch point with them, something else you can send them or something else that you can have on your website for them to download. So by a numbered list, I mean sort of like 10, uh, 10 things you should know about or five secrets of. Or, and, uh, you know, the numbered list is an excellent way to attack your uh, competition in a, in a, you know, um, dignified way because you can have things like uh, eight hidden gotchas of da-da-da-da or seven things you must know before you sign on the line for da 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 you can you can you can kind of try to knock one of the competing solutions off of that off of that short list with a with a numbered list in the middle of the fun, of the funnel fantastic thanks for those tips and one last question gordon um if a company is looking for a white paper, whether they're looking in-house or uh, looking for an outside contractor, what should they be looking for in a white paper writer? Oh, that's a good question, Steve. Um, white papers are kind of neither fish nor fowl. You know, they're not, they're not normal salesy kind of copywriting, and they're not detached uh, kind of technical writing or journalism. They're, they're somewhere in between because you are offering 
objective information, but you're always giving it a bit of a spin and, and, a, and your content is sponsored content by a certain vendor and everybody knows that. Um, so you need a writer that's versatile, ideally one that's done white papers before. Um, I, but I've known people that have come into uh, writing white papers who've been uh, technical writers. They just need to loosen up a little bit and get used to the idea of putting a little more sizzle into their writing. They've been uh, journalists who um, have to get used to the idea that they're writing sponsored con content for one vendor and that they're not going to say, uh, on the other hand, some critics say, or, you know, there are four big companies in this space. You know, they're writing, they're writing uh, for one company. Um, and then copywriters who have to... Um, forget to use the sizzle and put a little more stake into it. Uh, you know that that have to not ask for the order and have to uh, have to not always be selling. So uh, all different writers have to uh, have to adjust different things in their styles. But I, I'd say that ideally you'd find someone who's experienced at writing white papers and also understands your industry um, because there's a lot of jargon for every industry or understands your offering and uh, um, your particular area of the market. Well, thank you very much, Gordon. Thanks for spending this 10 minutes or so with us. We had a little bit over time, but that's great. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you very much, Steve. I hope you enjoyed those 10 minutes with that white paper guy, Gordon Graham. Actually, we went a couple minutes over time, but I didn't want to edit out any of that good stuff. Now, if you're interested in learning even more about writing a great white paper, Gordon is the author of a terrific new book on the subject. It's called Writing White Papers for Dummies. I highly suggest you grab a copy. I recommend it. Now, if you enjoyed this episode of 10 Minutes With or have any comments or questions about the material we covered here today, please let me know. You can reach me at steve at copywritingtrainingcenter.com. I'm Steve Slongwhite. See you next time. Thank you.